0: I okay, just want to um, welcome you, particularly if you're visiting, uh, if you're a guest here uh, this morning, then particularly happy Christmas to you. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for coming. You may not know that at the moment we have been working through, or we've just kind of started really working through the gospel of Luke and through meticulous and careful planning, not by me it should be said okay we have arrived on christmas day at the precise moment of jesus birth i can guarantee you that next year it is not going to work out that well and i'm going to read to you what luke writes in chapter 2 some of you all know it pretty well okay i'm reading it from the new living translation at the time From the village of Nazareth in Galilee, he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night... has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Well, suddenly, the angel was joined by vast hosts of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. To those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, and what the angels said to them. About this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Okay, this is the story. In a few days' time, we will be staying with my parents. And the room we stay in has rows of bookshelves along one side. Almost exclusively, these books are filled with volumes dating back years of the National Geographic magazine. Okay, It's wall-to-wall rows of chronologically organized, perfectly ordered, yellow-edged periodicals. I have to say that I haven't picked up the strength of love my parents have for this particular magazine, but what I do remember from my occasional browsing through the volumes is that there was always a detailed, close-up picture of some object or other. And as well as marvelling at the detail of the picture itself, the challenge was to identify what bigger picture it was part of. I think it was a competition, and as this does have some relevance, I promise you, okay, to this passage, I wondered if you'd mind, before I explain it, if you'd be happy to engage in a similar competition. Is anybody up for that? Yes. Okay. I have some prizes here just to say I cannot guarantee these are free of nuts. So parents, please be very aware of that. Here's a competition. Guess the picture. Ben, can we have the first picture? And I want hands up for this first hand here. A banana. Definitely not a banana. Okay. There was was another hand up here. Sam. A pumpkin, slightly yellow for a pumpkin, but good. Guess, yes, at the back, yes. yes, Lenny? A hot air balloon. Okay, Lenny, a hot air balloon. Okay, here we go, coming, coming across, Lenny. Oh, good catch, Dave. Thank you very much. Right, is everybody ready for this? Next one, please, Ben. A little bit trickier now. Yeah, we've got a hand up. Sorry? A cucumber. No, no, not a cucumber I want to eat. Yes, Nathan? Monge too. Ooh, <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, you want posh Christmas lunch? Okay, this is where we're going. Monge too. No, not Monge 2, but good call. Could have been Monge too? Yes, Alec. A leek. Again, could have been a leek. Think more Christmassy. More Christmassy. Yes, have we got Finley? Palm leaf, you're getting so much closer. Think less Easter, more Christmas than palm leaf. Yeah, a Christmas tree. Oh, yes, it's a Christmas tree. Brilliant, well done. Next one. Oh, okay, we're getting really quite tricky here. Yes, turkey. That, it could be a turkey. That would be slightly overcooked in my house, okay, but that could <laughs> be a turkey. Good guess, good guess. Any others who hasn't guessed? yes. Cocoa beans. I'm going to give you that. They are coffee beans. So that's pretty good. That is pretty good. There you go. Oh, my throwing's getting slightly better. Next one, then, please, Ben. This is the penultimate one. Hands. Hands. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Bananas. Not bananas. Nearly. Go on then. Oh, oh, over here. Watermelon could have been watermelon, but it's not watermelon. Okay, sorry. Yeah, Alec. Rubber gloves could have been ru- could have been rubber gloves. Anyone? Anyone else? Sam. Sorry. A lemon? No, it's not a lemon. Okay, I'm going to help you out with this one. Okay, Ben, can you help us out? Actually, it's a rose. Okay, it's a beautiful yellow. Oh. Ah, yeah, isn't that lovely? oh that's what it was okay this one is really tricky okay anybody who gets this one very impressive what do we think that is yes oh it's no no but that is a great answer that's a great answer it's not giraffe skin but it could have been giraffe skin yes honeycomb again looks very similar but it's not i'm afraid it's no, it's not a strawberry, but I see where you're coming from as well. It's not a strawberry. Oh, a box is close, but not of chocolates. Yes. A matchbox. Oh, yes. Very good. Good. It is a matchbox. OK, thank you for taking part in my competition. Well done. All right, we'll get back to the passage now, shall we? Let's get back to the passage because this is what I I think we have in these few verses that we read today. I don't know if you noticed this, but Luke only devotes two short paragraphs, seven verses of the whole Bible to the birth of Jesus, to the birth of God's own son into the world. So what we're getting here is the zoomed in view. And in this zoomed in view, we see a bunch of details. Some of it's a little bit messy, some of it's a little bit ugly. It's not quite how we might want it to be. I don't know if you're like me, but in those zoomed in pictures, you know, the ones of bugs and bacteria, the ones that I didn't put in. Okay, they're pretty yuck. Okay, I'm glad you're glad I didn't put those in. They're just not nice. And in this story, there are some details that just aren't that nice. It's not the perfect picture. There may be some parts of it that we would have planned slightly differently. For example, I can't imagine that there's a mum in here who would consider that an 80-mile journey walking, possibly on a donkey, though I'm not quite sure which I would have preferred, while, as the New Living Translation puts it, obviously pregnant. Okay, is a detail that you are totally comfortable considering, all right? And as well as this, though, there are some zoomed-in views that are totally beautiful. You might not be sure exactly uh, what the picture, full picture is, but you know it's beautiful. We've got those in this story too. And then of course there are details that evoke neither reaction, but they're nonetheless there. And in all of these, the detail points us, it gives us a clue to the much bigger picture. So what we're going to do in the next 15 minutes is to look at some of the detail to see how it's part of the amazing, much bigger plans and purposes of God. Okay, so briefly then, five details that we're going to look at in this story. The story starts with a census. For us, it's a bit of detail which forms maybe the opening scene of a nativity. For Mary and Joseph, however, as I've already alluded, I can imagine it's somewhat more significant. Okay, I want you to imagine the scene. Okay, just so you know, this is our imagining. It's not written in the Bible. Okay, so we could be wrong but can you go on and imagine with me? Okay, we're going to imagine the scene. Joseph gets a letter, an edict from the mighty Caesar. I've no idea if it would have been a letter, by the way. Okay, but he gets an edict from the mighty Caesar. It says that he has to go to the town of Bethlehem to register for a census. He looks at it, looks down at the date. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. He goes somewhat sheepishly to see Mary, holding the letter in his hand. Mary, he says, I've got to go to Bethlehem. Mary looks at him with that kind of a look. Joseph, you surely don't mean, uh, yeah, I know it's not the best timing, and you don't have to come, but, well, We know that this wasn't the best timing for Mary. We also know that she probably didn't have to go with Joseph. And yet the Bible records that she did go, maybe because it wasn't safe for her to stay behind. You see, in those days, she might well have been killed for being pregnant without being married. So on top of the danger she was in, the disgrace Joseph faced, Mary now had to take the uncomfortable journey, maybe up to a week, to get to Bethlehem. But what I want us to see is God is very much at work in what for Mary and Joseph was at best inconvenient. And that's because there is already a problem set up here in the story. Mary is a young girl from Nazareth, okay? And we know that the Bible says that the prophets from long ago before Jesus was born said that he would be a Nazarene from Nazareth. Also, About 700 years before this time, a prophet called Micah prophesied this. He said, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the peoples of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from distant past or from eternity past. This also was about Jesus. So Jesus was to be a Nazarene, and yet he was to be born 80 miles away. In Bethlehem, so this is what God does. He puts it in the mind of a man called Caesar, the most powerful ruler in the Roman world. A man whose adopted father, Julius Caesar, is worshipped as a god. Well, that makes Caesar uh, Caesar Augustus the supposed son of God, and he puts it in the mind of this man to hold a census so that the real Son of God would be born just as God had always said he would be. God used the most powerful man in the Roman world, who had no idea who Jesus was, to bring about his perfect plan. He used what, on the surface, looks pretty inconvenient, frustrating, maybe actually a very hard situation for his glorious purposes and for our good. God is good. He brings about good. And He's more powerful than any other power or ruler or situation. Okay, next detail. There is no room, all right? There is no room, nowhere for Mary and Joseph to stay when they'd eventually completed their long journey. Okay, no lastminute.com didn't exist, no internet. I know, it's hard to believe, kids, isn't it? There was a time, okay? What is all this about? Especially as when we've seen that God can make it so that Caesar unwittingly arranges to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, couldn't he at least have saved a room? You would think so. I guess the answer here is, of course, that he could have done. He could have made it so that Jesus was born in a palace far bigger and grander than Caesar's was. In fact, Later in Jesus' life, he could have turned stone into bread when Jesus was hungry and being tempted in the wilderness. He could have come down from the cross and saved himself as the soldiers were mocking him about. All those things God could have done. But in this story, it's not about what God can do. God can do anything and everything. Actually, this story is about what God wanted to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 says this. We've already heard it this morning. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. The exchange that God had planned between his son and us, we see right at the beginning already at his birth. Okay, elsewhere in the book of Philippians, Paul writes this. Though He was God. He did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. So unlike Caesar, who thought he was the son of God and thought he had everything, Jesus, who made everything and is the son of God, gave it all up to serve you third detail i want us to look at in this passage the shepherds okay kids anybody been a shepherd in nativity this year i'm asking the kids adults if you've been a shepherd in nativity this year you can put your hand up as well okay yes one yeah two okay there's a there's a few In our house, we're familiar with this as well. In fact, the only reason that my wardrobe contains a first century shepherd outfit, I'd like you to know, is because of all the people that God could have announced his birth to, he chose a bunch of shepherds. Now, being a hard-working, quad-bike-riding sheep farmer these days is probably no better or no worse than any other profession. But back then, shepherds were not well-regarded people. It was not the profession as a parent you were desperate for your kids to get into. At best, shepherds were regarded as slightly less than your average Joe. At worst, they had a reputation as thieves and as robbers. So why would God choose these guys? Again, because in this detail points us towards the much bigger picture of what God was doing. Jesus not only came into the world poor and and rejected just the same way as he would leave it. Actually he came for the poor and for the rejected. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 127 he said he did not come for the wise but for the foolish. He didn't come for the strong but for the weak. Later on in chapter 5 of Luke says this. He did not come for those who thought themselves righteous but for sinners. And so of all people, God could have announced the birth of his son to. He chose shepherds, a group of people who were rejected, who were on the edge of society, people who other people didn't really want around. So you don't have to be wise, you don't have to be strong, you don't have to be perfect. Actually, it might be better if you were the opposite, but Jesus came for you. He cares for you. He loves you. And he wants you. Okay, the angels. Okay, this brings us to the angels that God sent to the shepherds. This is where, in the close-up view, we get the glimpse of the full glory of heaven breaking in to earth. You get the sense that kind of the angels couldn't really help themselves. It says that the armies of heaven, just imagine this, the armies of heaven came praising God heaven in the form of all the angels comes to earth to a few poor shepherds minding their own business on a hillside. Okay, this was an unusual night for these guys. It's quite hard to imagine. It's hard to understand the full scale of the beauty, the power, the glory, the presence of God that was there. But of course, the thing is that the angels know Jesus. They know what he's come to do. We know from the Bible that Jesus is God. From John chapter 1 says that he existed in the beginning with God. Everything was created through Jesus, and now he has come as a human. He is fully God and fully human. Who did he come for? Well, the angels said he came for all peoples. And so to our final detail, the manger. Okay, the feeding trough. And this detail, this is where we get the idea that Jesus was born uh, amongst animals, in a stable. Okay, although you'll notice that Luke doesn't actually mention a stable. He doesn't mention animals. Um, And at that time, it was perfectly normal, actually, for people to live on the first floor of the building underneath. They'd often keep their animals. We don't know if that was the case. Also, animals were kept in caves. Um, But what we know is that Jesus was born in a place where there was a manger. Okay, what we do know about the manger is that God used it as a sign, it was the sign to the angel, to the shepherds. So what we know is that when the shepherds come to find Jesus, they're going to know Jesus from any other small children that were born around that time by the fact that he was wrapped up in clothes and he was in a manger, I don't know about you, but when I see kind of pictures of the manger, often they look pretty cute, okay? Uh, They're cute, um, and it probably reminds us maybe of Jesus' humble birth. Well, that's okay, but what I want us to see here is actually what the shepherds would have seen when they saw the manger is they would have seen what the angels had told them about, that he was the saviour, he was the Messiah, he was the promised king. It would have brought them back to the image of all heaven praising God. So as we end, uh, before we leave, before we go and eat our Christmas dinner, I want us to be reminded that in this story, what we see is the long-awaited breaking into history of Jesus, who has always existed, who will always exist. The Son of God come as man. The purpose being to transform our situation of broken relationship, separation from God, a place where we didn't know God, or who God was. Worse than that, the Bible says that before this time we were enemies of God, but restored to relationship where God, through his Spirit, now lives in us. It's interesting to note at this point in the story that Caesar, the ruler of the Roman Empire, had no knowledge of who Jesus was. Yeah, God used him, but he had no knowledge of who Jesus was. After Jesus' death, Rome certainly knows who Jesus is, and his followers, and it's trying its hardest to eradicate them. By 300 AD, the Roman emperor has become a Christian. God's mighty plan is at work. And I love the end of the passage we looked at. You see the shepherds leaving Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. They go back to their sheep, and what are they doing? Well, they're praising God for all they had seen, all they had heard. They thank God that it was just as they had been told. But God didn't just reveal himself to the shepherds. He didn't just come for the shepherds. The angels declared that he had come for all people. That's us. God has revealed himself to us. He came for us. And the question I guess I want to ask is, are we going to be like those shepherds? On hearing the news, the shepherds, they took action. That's what the Bible said. They went and they saw They found it to be true, and then they went away doing two things. They went away praising God and telling others.